Eric is the champion of the world. This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here's your champion, Eric Barnes, along with Jack Frew. Actually, guys, isn't Taylor Otwell the champion of the world? Hello, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Laravel News Podcast. I am your host, Eric Barnes, and the champion of the world, based on the last episode. And with me is Jack Frew. How are we doing today, Jack? And I am the loser of the world. I lost that bet, huh? <laughs> if you didn't listen to our last show, uh, Eric and I speculated on when Spark was going to come out, and I think there was some bet. And uh, I have to admit, this was Eric's criteria, but I think the, the winner of the bet was the champion of the world. And because of the way that the the date picking worked, even though Spark hasn't shipped, uh, Eric won. And he is now champion of the world, so he gets to hold that title. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's it's funny. We were so we were both so far off the mark on on the date of the release that uh, we we missed it by at least two weeks. Probably probably what three or four. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, hopefully we're wrong, and hopefully like this weekend it'll ship or something. But Taylor did tweet that uh, that one hundred with a sun and something else. I forget what the three little symbols that he used were. Um, so I'm wondering, does he mean the hundredth day of the year? Like, will it will it be sometime in early April? I think that works out to like the hundredth day. I guess we'll have to just hold tight on that. Yeah, it's a it's a cryptic tweet. We'll have to uh, see what it actually means. I know I heard somebody else say that they thought it was going to be March 16th based on that, but uh, they were wrong too. So nobody knows. Yeah, and I thought for sure you were going to just pay him, you know, a couple hundred bucks, and he was going to deliver it on the exact day you said, so that uh, you can claim the victory spot. Well, Eric, uh, what do we have in the news this week? This week, uh, first up is um, Laravel. They announced that the internals are now on GitHub. So previously, they were um, they actually didn't have like a dedicated spot. All the internals discussion was you know handled in Slack or IRC. So what they're doing now is they're keeping the Slack and IRC just for kind of general discussion around the internals, but all the actual pull requests and the uh, ideas are moved into Git, GitHub issues. That way, um, there's more of a record for everybody to kind of see where the where the framework's going over the future. Sure. And you're talking about the uh, conversation around the internals, the actual internals meaning the code, that's always been on GitHub, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yep. So this would be kind of like future feature requests, you know, kind of like big changes, big structure changes, things like that. Okay. Well, that's probably a neat thing. I mean, it's better than tracking it down. And one of the things I know that I've had a harder time with is just tracking like his announcements, right? Mm -hmm. Because there doesn't seem to be like a place where he blogs where you can kind of scroll through. So, you know, it tends to be a lot of stuff comes out on Twitter. And, you know, if you if you happen to see it, great. If you don't see it, then, you know, then that's potentially bad. And one of those things I think that he did tweet was actually uh, some talk about MySQL. And uh, Maria will talk about that a little bit later in the in the show. Um, back on the GitHub topic, uh, there's another piece of GitHub news this week. Do you want to you want to tell us about that, Eric? Sure, but um, I was going to say, based on what you were just saying, um, you know, that's also why I try to keep a track of what all is being announced through the Laravel Twitter and and all the social channels, and then convert those into posts on Laravel News. That way, there is a a record. You know, you can go back through and look through it and and kind of see how to see all the announcements and have them in the newsletter and all that. So. Uh, excellent, excellent point, right? And I, it's weird, but you know, I just assume that everybody knows about certain things, right? I assume if right. you're listening to this podcast, you're already subscribing to the newsletter. But if you're not, your inbox is missing out, as are you. So, uh, should definitely subscribe. And I think it's the first thing that hits you when you go to laravel-news.com, right? Right. Yep. 
Yep, the awesome. newsletter is first. Um, and then, you know, if you don't want the email, you can subscribe to our RSS or anything else. Facebook. R- RSS? Uh, RSS? Is that, is that a car? What, what is that? <laughs> What's RSS? You, do people do not, use RSS anymore? I use it all the time. Do you not use it? No, I, I, a little bit. Um, I used to do... Uh, I used to do a bunch of news feeds and stuff, and then there was like a news reader, and I want to say a lot of the stuff went through some kind of Google service that Google then like shut down. Yeah, that was Google and, Reader, right? And and when that kind of stopped, I think I kind of stopped like in that vein for you know maybe I'll get back into it, but I feel like that just killed off a lot of momentum that uh, yeah, um, you know that was there at least for me personally, and you know the I didn't want to go track down a bunch of sites again and all that kind of stuff so right yeah the uh when when that happened a lot of the people kind of gave up on rss but now it's you know the level news i keep a track on you know the number of subscribers and all that and it's actually growing it seems like feedly has one hmm. and on the mac you can use a, an app called reader r-e-e-d-e-r okay and, and that'll kind of pull your feed in so you have a standard app you know for reading and yeah i, I use it uh basically every day that's kind of how i keep up with news oh nice that, that and twitter so that that works really well it sounds like a good uh, blog post for dot dev it does yes i should do that my my next one I've, I've had this one on the which is not really related at all but uh, i want to write one on how to write a a good readme file okay for the open source project so i'm going to I've been researching that. I feel like it's not a real readme file unless it has some kind of ASCII character art up at the top. <laughs> a dragon. <laughs> right, exactly. So um, so tell us about this other GitHub announcement because this is pretty significant for the uh, PHP community. Right, yeah. So GitHub, they actually removed the API limit on Composer installs. So what would happen is, say you go and download Laravel and you run the Composer install on, a, on, a brand new, you, on your brand new machine or whatever. Um, as it's installing, you'll you'll hit an error saying you've reached your API limit through GitHub, and then so you have to go and it'll say copy this URL and you got to go set up an OAuth token and then come back and paste it into your terminal. So what they're doing is through the Composer installs, they're actually removing that restriction so it just installs normally without having to to set that up. That's um that's something that I got bit by once and it you know it's 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 great I think because one that's a little bit of a pain and two it's it's another barrier to entry when you're new right. so I think this is really going to help new folks out quite a bit and and you know really I mean Laravel obviously benefits because you know there, there's heavy use of Composer but these days I think any framework uses Composer it really is going to help the whole the whole PHP uh, community I think yeah I totally agree um yeah because that that was I've hit that a few times too and I'm like oh man. Um, so then, then you have to go through that whole process, you know, spend five minutes figuring it all out. So that will, that will definitely be nice. Yeah. A nice improvement. Now, uh, speaking of composer, I saw something this week about updating your composer.json file. What, what happened with that? Is that something that we all have to do no matter what, or there's like a temporary problem and that gets us around it, but a month from now we won't have to do it again or. Right. Yeah. I believe, uh, you know, in the future you won't have to do it again. It's basically if you have ex- uh, an existing download of Laravel. The way it was using the pre-update command, it was running PHP artisan clear compiled on pre-update, which basically just clears out any kind of cache files. Um, I think it's actually compiled.php inside of your bootstrap folder or somewhere. Okay. But basically it was running with a composer change. That command was running too early and it was failing because Laravel wasn't totally installed yet or something. Oh, I see. So all it had to do was just be moved to the post-update command. So. So if you download Laravel now, it'll be fixed. But if for some reason you already had it downloaded and, and you're running 
you know, a fresh composer install, then, then you might hit it. Makes sense. And then do you know if you already have a working Laravel installation where Laravel's on there, is this update to the file necessary or was it really just something that the Laravel install failed if, because of this little change? If you have an existing app, I think it's fine as long as you have the dependencies already installed. Okay. So like if you have a coworker that's brand new and then they clone your repo without the vendor directory and they run, you know, uh, composer install, then then they might actually hit it. I see. So you might and, have to just update yours. And on composer, there's two files, right? There's composer.json, and then there's also like a composer.lock file, right? Right. Do you do you just have to update the composer.json? That's all you have to do? Right, right. And it's just that little section about what's done before. And if I remember reading the article, uh, it, you're, you don't actually remove it. You just move it to the after section, right? Right, you're basically yeah. You, just moving you something go from pre-update to post-update. Yeah, that's okay. all it is. Okay, so... Uh, so good, good to know, I think for folks that are out there that might be doing work on, uh, Laravel this week, especially new installs and stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's something to keep an eye on. You know, it's, uh, I was going to say it's, it's that, that one puts the framework in a tricky spot just because, you know, you can't go back and make changes like that, you know, to the, cause, cause the way it's broken apart, you have Laravel framework and then you have the Laravel, um, app structure, right? Yeah. yeah the core like, or whatever. So, and then right. one pulls in the other. So yeah, so the one don't actually update that that much, and then where the kind of the internals and the core does get updated, but yeah, but it, I, I it think don't all frame, itself. I think all frameworks would suffer from the same thing. I've seen that in other frameworks too, where there's you know they want the bulk of the framework to be under the vendor directory, but you also don't want your stuff in the vendor directory because then every time you updated the framework, you would lose your work. So then you end up with this kind of separate directory from the vendor directory where where you keep your actual code that's not going to change with each update so mm-hmm. makes sense makes sense um coming up it looks like we've got some code and packages to talk about katana uh, laravel backup version three mail preview driver and then there's some talk about some tips and tutorials and stuff like that um i don't think i followed this katana thing I, at last i knew katana was something from microsoft that did some kind of like uh, voice recognition is that what we're talking about or is it something different uh, i didn't even think about that whenever it was uh posted because i was thinking katana as in the blade you know the ninja sword the katana sword. oh okay sure um, <laughs> but yes yeah, so it's a um it's a new php static site and blog generator and what i found interesting about it was it uses blade files as um kind of your markdown files or your 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 base files okay if that makes sense so like um i don't know if you've worked with other site static site generators they always have like that yaml file that yaml front front matter at the top that that specifies you know the title the category the tags um so this one actually uses uh section um you know the at section uh i don't forget what that's called but uh so so basically you would do like at section post title and then at section date, things like that, and then section post body. So it is kind of different than, you know, the typical markdown style. But it, but if you're comfortable with Blade, then it then it kind of feels right at home, actually. Yeah. So looking at this, I wonder how does this compare to and I I'm probably gonna say it wrong. We need Jack McDade to say it, but is it stat statamic? It, it, when when I heard him on an interview, he said that website creator was supposed to be kind of a combination of the words static and dynamic, right? Um, yes. Jack McDade, if you don't know who he is, he's done the the web design on uh, most of the Laravel related websites and Forge and things like that. So he's he's a bit of a celebrity, right? Yes. Um, and they he and another person that he knows 
built a uh, like a I guess you could call it a blogging platform, a, a CMS platform. Right. That, yeah, I think you had said uh, doesn't even use a database on the back end, Larry, uh, Eric. There, but uh, um, that one I assume is more full featured. When I look at this Katana thing, it looks to me like it's still a programmer's tool and not not like a WordPress that's you know static. What right, I see here, right? Yeah, and um, yeah, I think it's Statomic is how I always say it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the difference, like Statomic has a a whole administration area that so you can add. You know, it's it's really full featured. It's 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 really well done. Um, the difference, I believe, um, but I'm sure they're going to add this, but I don't think the be- the beta has it yet. Is this actually the Katana generates complete flat flat files, so you can so it's basically like HTML files. Sure. Where Statomic actually it still has the PHP parser that kind of generates stuff, but it actually it, but it comes from like Markdown files. Oh, okay. Um, and YAML files, but so that is kind of the one difference. So like that is, yeah, that is Katana, you could you could host on like GitHub pages, where Statomic you would still need kind of a host running PHP. Oh, until good point, good point. now, I'm sure they actually have it, you know, in to because I believe in version one they had it where you could actually do the the real flat HTML files. So okay, so they'll probably have that in the version two once it's once it's officially out. I thought it was out already, but maybe not. Huh? No, it's still in beta. It's up to like beta twelve or something now. I've been trying okay. to keep an eye on it. Um, it's it's really it's really nice. It's really well done from from the the beta I've been trying. I love the idea of you know I mean Laravel's great and everything. But I love the idea of static pages because I just, I've never, you know, I don't think anything serves faster than static, right? You, mm-hmm. I don't think you can compete with, you know, the call stack of how many are there? There's like, you know, 60 calls or 50 calls in, in a Laravel page render, right? Versus, uh, versus like a static page is one call, right? You know, the, the, the web server goes and gets the page and displays it and then keeps it in memory and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of us could probably do a lot more in the way of, rendering to static files, you know, as opposed to dynamic. Like I have a site I'm building right now. And while the site is dynamic, if you look at all the different combinations and permutations of the data, there aren't that many, right? Like I could probably generate at this point, I could probably generate like 60 different files and I would cover every possible scenario, you know? Right. And as it gets bigger, as it gets bigger, maybe I generate a hundred or a thousand files or whatever, right? But it would, it would be like a split. And the other big plus there then is like, you put that on a 512 DigitalOcean instance that doesn't have, you know, uh, maybe the greatest speed or whatever, but it still it still performs great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which it, it, that just kind of reminds me of my sites. I'm running WordPress, and by the time you install like four plugins, then then you have like sixty uh, different JavaScript libraries included oh, in yeah. your source. That I think I think Laravel News, you know, it's real basic, and I think it still takes like five seconds to load just because of all the JavaScript junk and all that yeah. stuff. So yeah. it's kind of funny, but. We're actually dealing with that right now at work. We use uh, SharePoint Online, which is a hosted service by Microsoft. And um, if you have ever looked at, well, so I guess let's talk about performance for a second. This is probably well known, but there might be a few people listening that don't know this. Um, In a web page, you know, as you as your browser requests a web page, it gets the HTML, and then the HTML usually tells it to go do other things: go get a JavaScript file, go get this resource file, go get this image file, go get this JSON file, that kind of stuff, right? So there are all these back and forths, right? And it's pretty widely known within web development community that the more back and forths you have, the worse off you are. And and the bigger each of the back and forths is, the worse you are. But I think what they're actually finding is that as it relates to distance from the server, and when I say that, I want you to imagine, for example, a user in uh, Australia 
hitting a server in in North America in 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 let's say Chicago or New York or something like that, right? There's a latency. There's a you know there's a delay between each of those steps, right? So something like SharePoint, which I'm you know we're struggling with it at work, it has so many of those calls because you know, quite quite frankly it probably could have been optimized a little better than it is. Um, that the difference that we see for people depending on their geography and depending on their network conditions, it it just varies the performance of it so greatly, right? And I think that's one of the things actually that's really rewarding to me about working with um, something like Laravel and web development where you you're in much more control over what you render out to the client than you are when you're using like a a big package like Microsoft SharePoint or you know I'm sure any any other giant CMS you know Documentum or whatever those kinds of things so mm-hmm. yeah the uh, now do you use LDAP much we do we use uh, well we use Active Directory is where most of the stuff goes in and then the other thing that's uh, been a big kick for uh, for a lot of these companies now are these authentication providers um, I, I want to say. Similar to, uh, we had an advertiser, uh, that's not the right word. I want to say similar to a sponsor we had, uh, StormPath does this, and when, when we, the StormPath's not the one we're using at, at, at my, my day job, but yeah, they have like a provider that kind of ties in authentication as a front end to all these other um, shared, uh, what do you want to call them, like, you know, in the cloud kind of apps and things like that. So uh, do you guys deal with a little bit of that stuff with uh, Userscape? Yeah, well, HelpSpot actually, um, can be installed, you know, on Windows machines or whatever. And we have a lot of kind of the enterprise that that use LDAP for authentication, I believe. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of try to stay away from that end of it because it's uh, it seems that like it's always a nightmare. Like, it sounds more like Chris uh, Fidel. Is it Fidel? Yeah. Am I saying it right? It sounds more like Chris Fidel's uh, territory, right? Yes. Kind of server admin and that kind of stuff. Correct. Um, yes. I try. I try to avoid all that. <laughs> Well, our, our next code package topic is uh, Laravel Backup version 3, and I have some experience to uh, to share that um, was good experience about that package, bad experience for Jack in general. It was not a pleasant couple of days that I had to go through there. Do you have anything you want to talk about before I get into that? Uh, well, I just one? want to say, you know, the I'm, I'm very impressed with the kind of the announcement and, you know, how it, the new version, he added a... Um, like a artisan commands to actually see like your backup, you know, your backup list. And it, it goes through a little, it built out a little table that shows you, you know, where it's stored, the number of backups you have, you know, this, the actual storage space the backup is taking. Um, so it, it's really well done. And then of course it integrates with uh, email and Slack and all these other things. Yeah. So, that was pretty slick too. That was pretty slick yeah, too. So t- tell us about your, your great experience there. So those of you who don't know, uh, so Laravel Backup version 3 is one of the now 70 packages, I, I emphasize 70 because that's a pretty big number, uh, that this company, spatty.be, uh, I think, has created. Uh, the guy, Freak, that we interviewed, and I know I just said his name wrong, so sorry about that. It's pronounced Freak. Uh, a couple episodes back uh, when he was talking about the first version of the backup thing. So what is it? It is a package that you can install with Composer, and it helps you do backups of your Laravel install. And the couple of things that it can do for you is it can back up your SQL databases and it can back up your files, okay? It's fully configurable. You can configure, uh, it comes built in with scheduling now. Now you have to have the, you know, Laravel, when you install Laravel, uh, there's like a cron job that you point to Laravel. So you have to do that first. Um, But you can set it up for weekly rotations, monthly rotations, yearly rotations. It's really pretty neat. It kind of does like, I think everything that I would want a backup tool to do. Now, the most interesting part about this, um, in the past, we've talked about 
you know, using a service for backup. And one of the advantages of using a service is that you've got somebody else out there kind of watching your back. If your backup starts to fail, you'll get an email, even if your Laravel situation is completely hosed. Like, I think the best example I could give is imagine that you shut off your server, right? If you shut off your server, you're not going to get email notification from your server. You're not going to get anything. When you use a third-party hosted solution, you know, they're going to notice that you've, you know, that your backups haven't happened and they're going to email you. Well, one of the brilliant things about this Laravel backup version three package is he has a separate package for doing the monitoring. And he recommends that you actually install that on a separate instance of Laravel so that if you mess up, for example, one of your files and Laravel won't boot, right, which has happened to me a couple of times, all my fault when it did, um, this way you can kind of have one that you set up for monitoring and you don't, you don't touch it. And I'm actually thinking it's probably practical to set it up on like a $5 DigitalOcean server and then have it monitor, you know, one to many of your other servers. But at $5 a month for DigitalOcean, that actually ends up being cheaper than, than some of the other backup tools that are out there, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so anyway, I, I want to share, though, what happened to me because it's, it, it happened to you, Eric, last week. And I don't know if I quite put two and two together. Maybe the rest of you listeners did and you're all going to be like, Jack, you're so slow. Get off this podcast. Um, you might remember a, a couple of weeks back, Eric was talking about how he had replaced MySQL with MariaDB, and he thought it was pretty painless and all that stuff. And we didn't really go into what the deal was. I, did you say you were having some kind of memory issues or something like that? Is that yeah. What, so yeah, I created a one gig um, digital ocean droplet, and uh, for some reason, MySQL was just like taking all of it. So then I switched to a two gig, and then MySQL was taking like not all of it, but it was it maxed out at like just over a gig of, of memory yeah. for, for whatever reason. I, um, I don't even know why, but, uh, so with that, somebody else said, well, try Maria DB because it, it should have lower memory. And I was like, okay. So then I switched it over and sure enough, you know, I haven't had a problem anymore and I'm back on the, the, uh, one gig DO droplet. Yeah. And I've been and perfectly had, happy, you know? So I, I had similar problems except for I had a five twelve, uh, you know, the $5 a month droplet. And I, I thought it always worked fine. And all of a sudden, um, you know, my backups weren't working uh, through, I was using automatic at the time. And uh, I, I would, the first time it happened, I went in and rebooted the server and then they were fine. And then the second time it happened like a week later and I like, I went in and rebooted the server and I, and, and well, first of all, I ran into an issue that, that kind of, kind of, kind of upset me a little bit with the cheap plan on automatic. You can't do a on-demand backup. Even if one has failed. So I like, it was probably like a Saturday night. I, I rebooted the server and I said, well, okay, I'm just going to wait until tomorrow before I do any more work because I know I'll have a backup overnight. And then that backup overnight failed. And then I logged on again and, and it was like to the point where I, you could actually watch the memory growing. Even I don't even think the server was really being used any, right? Like, mm-hmm. so you would, you would launch, you'd reboot, you'd, you'd do, is it like the top command or like PS dash uh, AUX um, will tell you you know, what processes are consuming uh, memory. And it started out where MySQL was small, but it, all of a sudden, like you said, it was taking up a lot. So I, I went from 512 to a, a gig, like you did, and that still had problems. And then I, I think I opened up a note on Forge to ask Taylor if he knew of the problem. And he'd said, yeah, we've seen this before. Uh, he said, you know, just, you know, I said, do you, do you have any idea if there's a number that works? Like, is this a memory leak that's forever a memory leak? And no matter how much you have, it's bad. He told me that he was using a four gig install and he had no problems with it. 
Um, so I split it down the middle. I went, well, I'm at one gig. If I know four gig works, I'll go to four gig if I have to, but let me try two gig. Now for me, two gig, same experience as you. My sequel, I think for me, was taking 800, uh, 800 meg maybe. It was, it was about maybe halfway. Um, and then that solved it for me. So I solved it kind of the, the, the cheap, well, not cheap, I guess, but the easy way is instead of paying five bucks a month right now, I'm paying 20. And really that's because I just didn't have time to fiddle with Maria and stuff like that. But, um, I did Google it and a lot of people are experiencing the problem. It's not a Laravel problem. It's not a forge problem. It seems to be that when five, seven came out, maybe they changed some defaults. They changed some, you know, assumptions and it's kind of an interesting thing. It is the year 2016, right? Like to assume that anybody would have a server with 512 meg is kind of crazy, right? Like you know, you like throw away tablets that you know that run Android that have, that cost like $39 on sale have more than 512 meg of memory now, right? Um, but I I think what was not taken into consideration was this large audience of you know $5 a month server users like like myself. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that someone will figure out what settings MySQL needs to go back. But if they don't, I think in another couple of weeks when I get done with these events I'm planning and that kind of junk, I'll, I'll probably end up doing the same thing you did, Eric. I'll probably install a whole new uh, Forge instance with Maria. And and uh, one of the things I did find, unfortunately, is it kind of goes back to not knowing what's going on. I found a, a tweet from Taylor that said that they were having problems. And because of that, they had switched the new default on Forge is Maria. Mm-hmm. Whereas up until then it had been, you know, MySQL. So now if you go to install a brand new server on Forge, it'll default to MariaDB. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's good to know. So bottom line is if you are having problems on a, you know, lower than two gig machine that is using MySQL 5.7, you can pretty quickly fix that by upping the memory to two gig. And I think that'll cost you 20 bucks a month through DigitalOcean as opposed to the five. Uh, or you can fix it permanently by going to Maria. Uh, oh, Eric, I did find there was an article, and I, uh, gosh, I hope I bookmarked it, um, about how to convert MySQL to Maria in place. Mm-hmm. I know when you said you did yours, you just provisioned a whole new server. Uh, right. I might try that. I might, because apparently, like some of the data files even work. Because for those of you who don't know, uh, Maria is a fork of the MySQL project that is now being run by some of the original MySQL developers. So, it, you know, they're very, very similar, right? What about uninstalling MySQL though? Since basically you just need it totally gone to so it's not running or anything, right? I I would have to look at the article to see if there were instructions on how to do that. I actually think there were though. Okay. I think there was a command to pull it out of there. That's why I went ahead and just went a whole new spun up a whole new box because I was like I don't want to deal with deleting MySQL and trying to get it all set up. So so I just brought up a new one and exported the SQL and imported the SQL and everything was good. You know what it reminds me of? I mean I I think you're a Mac user and I'm a Mac user, but in the old days, uh, have you ever been in your life a Windows user? Like uh, the last one I used was Windows XP. Okay. Back in like 2001, maybe. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you are a Windows user for any length of time, uh, you, I'm sure you're familiar with a ritual that I'm going to call reformat your machine and start over, right? And this was a common thing in the Windows world back in the old days. I don't even, you know, XP was actually pretty stable, but before that we're you'd have Windows and everything would be fine. And then for whatever reason, something would get kind of gunked up and you'd be like, you know what? Time to build a new machine at the fresh install of Windows or time to throw a new hard drive in a fresh install or try to... Bottom line is you would fix problems by starting over from scratch. And I hate to say it, but I, I do that with Laravel, especially when they went from four to five. And you know how the in the... um the, is it the app.config? You have to put all the things and they end in like colon class now uh-huh. and they didn't used to. 
And when I upgraded, that didn't get changed. So I was like, you know what? I just want a fresh install of five something and I'll go from there. So like, I'll do the same thing with this. I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll do what you did. I'll, I'll do a fresh install. We'll get Maria in there right from the start. There'll be no MySQL anywhere on the machine. Yeah, sometimes it's just easier. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Last up on the on the list of code and packages is this mail preview driver. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, this guy, uh, if I say his name right, Mohammed Saeed, uh, he created a new, uh, actually, Laravel mail driver that all it does is generate HTML previews of your emails that are sent out or s- supposed to be sent out. What that's useful for is like, so say you have a custom HTML template and you know how you have to have like 50,000 nested tables and it's just horrible to deal with. Yeah. So what this will do is actually output it to HTML and then you can open it up and and get a better visual look at how it's going to be generated um, and how it's going to be sent. And one thing I I added whenever I covered it originally was that it would be nice to have the EML, EML files. So he has added that since then. So you can now actually... It'll do the HTML or the EML. And really? what's nice about EML is you can import it into any of your you know, mail apps and you get right. a, a real true rendering of what it looks like. Oh, that's pretty that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. I wonder how much work that was. I wonder if the EML is just like a is it like a zip wrapper over HTML or I've never <laughs> looked into it. I've, you know, you, you, uh, as a Mac user, I see attachments from Windows people sometimes and they end in EML, but I uh, I never really looked into the file format. It's basically I want to say it's kind of like a base 64 encoded html message but then it's got your all your email headers and stuff at the top and, okay. and all that so um it's it's not that advanced right you can actually look at an email file and kind of see what all it's doing that's pretty cool for him to figure that out we'll have to have him on the show one of these days i think i've actually seen him in the uh, internals discussions and i thought i even saw a, a like a a pull request that got pulled to the to the framework that he'd worked on so yeah actually you know. i just realized this um he, he's the same guy that created katana the php static oh, site generator there you go yeah yeah so and, and then he also created laravel multilingual so he's he's got a whole bunch of stuff so yeah kind of kind of neat <laughs> awesome well Mohammed, thanks for thanks for all your work on that that's uh that's fantastic and i've i've seen a couple of his uh I, I didn't start, I didn't follow him until pretty recently, but I saw some tweet of his that I must have liked enough to say, I'm going to follow this guy. He seems like he knows what he's doing. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of neat. I think that's, that might be, is, is that all we have for news this week? Yeah. Other pretty than much. the fact that Jack is the loser of last week's competition and, and you you have to address me as the champion of the world, Eric, from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Champion, Sir Champion. I think that's all we have this week. Thanks for listening. And we will be on the edges of our seats waiting for Spark to come out. And when it does, you can be sure we'll have plenty of conversation about it. Um, Eric, thanks again. Anything else to know? You know what I was thinking? uh, We don't have a sponsor this week. So I was thinking this week's episode could be sponsored by Sweet Tea. Sweet Tea. That sounds good. You can never go wrong with Sweet Tea. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I thought would be funny is if, if we did like in the middle of the episode, we said this week's episode is sponsored by sweet tea and then had you just do like a little monologue about like sweet tea. How tasty are the, I love the sweet tea in the summer, sweet tea, a Southern delight to not have it would be a total bummer. Yeah. I don't think that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, have to, I'd have to have it all wrote down and then I would fumble through all the words. <laughs> it's, it's worth rehearsing. I think we could do it. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get Susie to say it for us. Yes, that's funny. Um, but no, um, I was going to say, you can uh, check out my new project. We kind of covered it last week. It's .dev, D-O-T-D-E-V, .co. And um, I've been kind of writing a little bit over there. 
and um, kind of doing reviews and such. So so check it out. Yeah, it's a it's a great website, and I think I said it last time, but love the icon and the styling and everything. Cool stuff. Yes, we, and we thank Zangle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Awesome. All right, we'll see everybody again in two weeks, and hopefully two weeks from now we will have a lot of Spark to talk about. Yes, right. Are we? Renew- I don't think we're renewing the the contest, though. I think you are now champion of the world for the next twelve months. We can either way, or do you want to redo it? It doesn't matter. No, because you know what? If I lose twice, I'm just going to lose self esteem, and before you know it, I'm, I'm going to yeah. Uh, you want? I want to be able to talk on the on the You'll podcast. Have your, your new Twitter avatar will be just the top of your head because your head's down in in disgust. At the top of my head, looking down, shaking his head. It'll have to be like a GIF of me, like saying no, no, no. You know. <laughs> um so, so did you join the the bracket that i started or no the you know i one? hate to say it i'm like the worst computer nerd ever like i know nothing about any sport except for hockey which uh, my family is into here so i'm not a basketball follower or any of that kind of stuff um so yeah i did not join any bracket because to do so would basically be giving money away for uh for for you know for oh, no reason well, it's, I, it's free you know, I wouldn't um, even know him. But so yeah, so I did it. I'm I like created the bracket challenge or whatever and, and you get some Laravel news stickers if you win. But yeah, I'm the same way. I haven't watched any basketball games, but uh I knew I think Taylor's really into that stuff, isn't he a basketball fan? Well, he's in the NBA but not college. Oh, I thought he was both. I, I don't think so. Okay. But but so my bracket, I knew the Tar Heels won the ACC tournament, which is kind of my home state team yeah and uh so i just put them as the winners and just kind of dragged everything else around and and we'll see how it turns out okay <laughs> well i hope you win man hope you win then you can be champion of the world and champion of the bracket there all at the same time yes awesome <laughs> all right thanks again for listening everyone and we'll see you back in two weeks all right this concludes this episode of the laravel news podcast if you like the show please rate it five stars on itunes if you have feedback for the podcast, please email us at podcast at laravel-news.com. Thanks for listening. Sweet tea. That sounds good. You can never go wrong with sweet tea. You can never go wrong with sweet tea. Sweet tea. That sounds good.